0: Welcome to Talking About Midlife, where we talk about life living in a female body in our midlife. We talk about health, love, relationships, our inner world, ageing, death, motherhood, and what it means to be a human at this time in the world. I am Kelly Sterling and I hope you enjoy listening to these stories that I'm sharing. Welcome to the podcast, it's Kelly and today I'm on my own and I'm talking about emotions and how important they are to our physical and mental well-being. Emotions are really mm, tricky thing, aren't they? They're really an essential part of being a human being. And what I've noticed is that uh, when we go through the big transitions in life, adolescence, parenthood, midlife, menopause, and even elderhood, so when we sort of reach our 60s and we're transitioning into our elderhood stage, there's a lot of emotional upheaval for a lot of people. And that makes sense because we have hormone changes in our body, we have changes to our nervous system, and we know that the body-mind is connected. So a change in one aspect, our endocrine system, maybe metabolic functions, we have all these feedback loops in the body, we will change other aspects. So emotions are not just a nice-to-have luxury item in our human makeup. They're a really essential aspect of it. We don't have them just for the pleasure of feeling. They help us stay alive. They help us survive. They orient us to the world and they give us information so we can thrive. Our emotions tell us when there's danger. They tell us when there's sort of not too much harm and everything's okay, when it's content, when it's, I guess, benign find those content moments as i get older the more i have them the more i love them they tell us what's okay for us and what will nurture our growth so when we shut them down we really lose an important part of our sensory experience our connection to our five senses because it's our five senses is how we experience the world and the five senses are the language of the body they are the language of the autonomic nervous system Our emotions are a really big part of who we are because they drive our exploration in the world, our sense of adventure. And, you know, we can't just shut down one. When we shut down one, we dim them all. Our our body's not that clever. Our body-mind's not that clever. So emotions give us meaning. They help us to experience challenge, excitement. And what is meaningful and purposeful? Think about that for a moment. Life is for living. It's an adventure. And when we shut down our emotions, we shut down our ability to be vulnerable. And this is problematic because vulnerability is essential. It's needed for emotional maturation and growth. So why do we repress our emotions? Well, It starts when we're quite young. So as parents, when we can't offer our children that self-acceptance of all their moods and emotions, so very, very young, if we can't offer them unconditional positive regard, that love, unconditional love, that we love them no matter what, they need this love, self-expression, and when they don't get it, they shut it down. They shut down their emotional experience to feel fit in with us so that they receive love, safety, and belonging. They can't survive without us. They're three essential things. So when they don't feel safe to express themselves, when they take up the maybe the good child role, we're really stunting their ability to express their emotional selves, all the different parts of themselves. So we learn from a young age to repress emotions. Maybe when we are little babies, we might be left to cry. So sleep training child learns very quickly that when they cry and cry and cry, they are not going to have their needs met. So they stop crying and they stay quiet and they repress their anger or their sadness or their frustration or whatever their emotional needs. It's hard to know, but you kind of know when you're a parent, we learn to pick the cries and what's underneath it. And so they do this to receive this love, safety and belonging from, from parents you know, when my children were very little, time out was really, really popular. And I think there was that show called The Super Nanny, and she was big on time out. But, you know, think about time out. It's kind of marginalisation and ostracising them and putting them in the corner. And often we did that after a two-year-old tantrum. So what we crave most is this unconditional love and positive regard and acceptance from our parents. And so we're naughty and then we get put in the corner. Hmm. so Gordon Newfield you might know him as a developmental psychologist I quite like his work I read it a lot it's very interesting and he talks about the developmental pathways that form emotional capability in children it's not surprising that play or unstructured play so where children can just use their imagination and be themselves. So whether it's climbing trees and or making cubby house forts in the living room or, you know, just painting or drawing wherever they want, obviously if they're taking a shining to the walls that can be a little stressful, but we can put paper on the walls. We can put paper on the floor and just let them go for it. So this play is really, really important for lighting up the neural pathways that develop capacity for different emotions, in particular grief, sadness, frustration, betrayal, anger. And, you know, we stunt a lot of that because we can be really controlling and want them to play in a particular way, in a way that suits us, rather than just letting them go for it. You know, and there's context around this always. But there's a reason that in countries that have very progressive education systems, learning is play-based until they're six or seven years old. And it's because of this. So there is a direct relationship between unstructured play and their emotional maturity, the development of their emotions. And then we get to teenage years. So this is a really tricky time. I have teenagers. It's very stressful sometimes, I know, if you're listening. Children at teen years, they can start to identify really closely with their peer group when it comes to those basic needs of love, safety and belonging. So, you know, Gabor Mate has this book where he's written a lot about this and he says, You know, stay really close to your kids, keep close to your kids. The trouble with teens in terms of being co-regulators of each other is, you know, the emotions are running high because of the hormonal changes, so the endocrine system impacts the autonomic nervous system, that fight, flight, fawn, freeze response, and that in turn drives behavioural responses, so emotional responses. So teens are not so great at dealing with their own emotions, let alone someone else's, or just being able to listen and hold space. So often, you know, we all know this because we're all teens at one point or another. You know, someone will reveal something to you and be really vulnerable and you kind of silently freak out and then ignore what they say or you might say, oh, man, that's really tough, you know. And we, we might diminish their experience a little bit and just say hey let's just get on with it so I think you know this co-regulation by the teen tribes happens you know it's hard I think being a parent of teens because the teenage years developmentally are about exploring ourselves in the container of the community So it's really important that we stay close to them and help them regulate, learn how to regulate those emotions, keep them close. Because if they do spend too much time with the peer group, the tribe, the tribe's pretty primal in their emotional maturity, and this is when a lot of dysregulation can happen. Also, they don't have a good sense of their own boundaries a lot of the time if they're brave and adventurous. So they can do themselves a little bit of damage. So modelling emotional expression while supporting them to process what they're feeling is really what they need us for and that's super challenging for most parents because particularly at this point in time, a lot of us didn't grow up with emotionally mature parents ourselves. So I find with a lot of my coaching clients and and certainly you know, this is a really big part of your midlife transition. So you're going from your first adulthood, which is very much driven by your ego and satisfying basic needs, getting a house, getting a great job, establishing yourself. So it's a very externally driven, external in, right? And through midlife, when we're moving into our second adulthood, which is driven by the psyche and the soul. So, craving more purpose and meaning. So that emotional connection, that connection with our emotions is really, really important because that's a signpost for us. Emotions are our signpost for receiving all of that. So many women learn from a really early age that we have to look out for our safety. We get conditioned, primed for it, which puts your nervous system in a particular orientation it creates a neurobiology within you around the world is not safe don't walk home from the pub at night on your own always leave with girlfriends or friends never come out of a nightclub on your own so we're constantly on edge and the body armors itself up against the expression of unbearable emotions So in our bodies we have these patterns of expansion and contraction. In fact, in the universe, a basic pattern that exists, talk to any physicist, is expansion and contraction. And contraction can look like constriction, tight muscles, physiological defence. So expansion and contraction, defence and growth two modes that we often find ourselves in. Defence is important, it keeps us safe, but we don't want to be stuck in it all the time. We want to have that expansive energy. And When we have trauma in our bodies, when we're in a constant pattern of constriction, expansion can feel really, really unsafe. So Gabor Mate, in his latest book, which is absolutely fantastic, called The Myth of Normal, if you haven't read it. He says that there's really only those two modes that we find ourselves in, defence or growth. So I think of that contentment that I talked about before, and I do think he's right in that because whilst that's kind of a third option, like it's benign, we're still in a growth phase when we're there. So when we're young, we learn to repress these emotions and we push them down into our unconscious and we fragment them off. So we split them off from our conscious mind. They go into our unconscious and we either don't express them or when they come in, they're always there, but they're in our unconscious brain. We over-dramatise it. We become them. So... Overdramatized anger is we become the anger. we're like a wild banshee going off. So that's still emotional or repression, okay? So when we have the capacity to hold the energy in our body of these emotions and feel a more grounded expression of them, they orient us in the world and they're not as big or as unpleasant as what we've learned when we're younger. So our little brain, when we're learning, when we're children, it kind of everything is more magnified, everything feels bigger. And it kind of is because we're small and we're defenceless and we need the big people in our life. So even the feelings, the experiences seem bigger than what they are to probably an adult. And when we have these experiences of not feeling safe, of not feeling loved, of you know being marginalised before, for expressing our anger, that feels really terrifying to us. I do so much work with people around learning to express their emotions. We use somatic practices for this in coaching, learning to express your emotions in a grounded way. Because as I said, when we dim one, we dim them all. So when we cut ourselves off from our anger and our sadness, we also dim our capacity to feel the more exalted emotions joy, happiness, serenity. So we have to retrain the nervous system. We have to create, in trauma terminology, we call a counter vortex. So even through working on the more exalted emotions, joy, happiness, contentment, serenity, will improve your capacity to feel the tougher stuff. I know that, might seem a little confusing when you think about it but actually what you're doing is you're building capacity in your nervous system you're building alternative pathways so the counter vortex in your nervous system and you're working consciously to let your body mind know to let your autonomic nervous system know it's safe for me to feel so learning to express them is super important for us to thrive in our relationships. We do not exist as individuals outside of community or social groups. I mean, we can spend a lot of time on on our own for sure, but who we are as people is completely influenced by the larger social groups that we're a part of. Whether it's a family system, a friendship group, a school, a town, a city, the economy that we exist within, it all influences how we show up in the world, how other people experience it. And this is because culture and behaviour have a circular relationship. Marketing is a huge influence on human behaviour. I think most of you know this. That's why it's really detrimental to really young minds. So your autonomic nervous system, what this means is your autonomic nervous system is always on. It's always scanning. It's always looking to keep you safe. You cannot escape the fact of that. It drives all your behaviour. So as I said in this emotional uh, embodiment work, somatic work that we do, what we're trying to do is expand our emotional experience so we can stay with these emotions as much as possible. We can feel and tolerate the charge of them in our body as it increases and we just have to go slowly with this and just have to take time we do it in a really regulated way so that we can manage the dysregulation that's present already the dysregulation that stopped and stopped you in the first place from expressing it the emotional stresses that are stored in the body-mind we do it in a way that actually leads to creating healthy neural pathways where you have greater capacity to tolerate all the emotions so that they don't get acted out in dysfunctional ways, whether it's dysfunctional thoughts or dysfunctional behaviours. The health of your nervous system and your ability, sorry, when I say I'm talking about autonomic nervous system, your ability to regulate yourself, to bring yourself back into a regulated place directly affects your behaviour And this is influenced by the environment that you're in, the trauma that's held in your body. Previous experiences where you felt unsafe become wired into your neurobiology and your body remembers everything. So we want to go in and find that trauma and then we want to create new neural pathways so you have more options, more breadth, more capacity in your nervous system to regulate yourself. Anger, sadness, grief, betrayal, they are natural, normal emotions that are there to keep us safe. We want to express them, but we don't want to do it in a way that causes absolute fracture in all our relationships. So in midlife, a lot of people experience big emotional swings and particularly if you're a person going through perimenopause you might be feeling this if you have repressed a lot of your emotions so part of this is the endocrine system impacting the changes in the endocrine system impacting the autonomic nervous system but also what happens is your body just it can't keep the lid on repressing emotions it takes so much energy so much energy your body to do that and it gets to a point in time and these endocrine changes seem to influence it where it just says i just can't do it anymore and up it all comes i think also for a lot of female body people you know estrogen and progesterone they have a calming effect they have a bonding effect a soothing effect So when they start to decrease, we don't have access to them, to that soothing capacity that they have. And we start to see the world for how it really is. And sometimes we don't like what we see and that's why we get angry. Uh, I just want to say that one of the things that's really freaked me out in the last two years is listening to doctors talking to women who are having these big emotional swings and prescribing them HRT to stop the emotions from going away. Can you see how after everything that I've just mentioned, this is actually really unhealthy? So you're dumbing down the emotional expression, the emotions that want to come out, the nervous system that cannot keep the lid on it anymore. It's exhausted that's why at this point in life these big emotional swings it is time for you to do the inner work and learn how to express these feelings in a grounded expression at the moment in the world i find we're in a time of collective grief we haven't we we are really bad with grief In the Western world in particular, we're really bad in our ability to express it. It's one of those repressed emotions. Hold the space for the other people. Grief has to be held in the container of community. So we're in this collective grief coming off the back of the pandemic and all the crazy things that have been happening in the world, and there's just a hell of a lot of grief, sadness, anxiety, and depression. Record demand for mental health services here in Australia, and I'm sure it's no different to anywhere else. Lots of unprocessed trauma starting to come up. So it's time when we're feeling like this to go and do the inner work, to go and explore ourselves. You know, when we when we repress all that stuff, it makes us. It stops our ability to be vulnerable. And that is not good because when we are not vulnerable, we lose our empathy, but we also lose our capacity to grow and develop. We shut ourselves down from it. So vulnerability is really key at all stages of life to learning and growth in every aspect. And I'm gonna finish there. So I hope that was really helpful to you. I guess, you know, I'm it's because I do so much work in this area with people. I a majority of the coaching work I do is helping people. We take a somatic approach, do all this inner child healing, understanding their family of origin work and how it's influenced them. Um, to learn to feel their emotions, unwinding trauma. That's kind of my sweet spot. And that's why I think all of this is really, really important. It's important for our mental health, our emotional health, the health of all the relationships in our life and, and ultimately the health of the communities that we live in, that we interact in. Thank you for listening. I hope it was helpful. If you're interested in coaching, please go to my website, which is kellysterling.com and click on the work with me button and find the coaching information and book a clarity call, a complimentary clarity call with me and we can see if we're a good match to work together. The other thing I wanted to say is for the month of December, actually through to early January because I'm not going to turn it off until I get back from my holiday, is my reconnect course is half price. It's one hundred and forty nine dollars and fifty cents. Super cheap. That's Aussie dollars too. So it's super cheap, and it gives you a really good foundation on all the stuff I've just talked about, and it will really help you understand how the state of your nervous system, your emotional health, your sensual sensuality, how it impacts on your relationships, how it impacts on your sexual health, how it impacts on your intuition. It's a great little course, good foundational course. I also have my magnificent midlife course, which is for midlife women going through menopause, and that's very comprehensive. It's a four month program. So if you're interested in that, that'll be starting probably around May. Um, put your name down on the wait list. You can always ask me a question anytime, too. So thanks for listening today, and I hope it was really helpful.